Hey friends, what is happening? Just a quick note before starting today's uh, episode of Finding Freedom. I want to talk to you about another great podcast, one that I listen to all the time. It's called Good Morning Liberty. It's hosted by our good friends, Nate and Charlie. These are two guys that, uh, I'll tell you what, they do a great job of sorting through the news and pulling out the most important stuff. They're two guys that they actually work together and they have a a healthcare IT consulting company. So really cool, interesting background for a lot of the things that we're going through today with the pandemic and everything else. But also importantly, I think that they really bring a great way of taking uh, complicated ideas and condensing them down so you can easily communicate them to your friends and persuade them to uh, you know actually agree with you on some topics. So I really want to encourage you, if you haven't done this yet, Go give Good Morning Liberty a listen. Check out Nate and Charlie and uh, tell them that I sent you to listen to Good Morning Liberty. Check it out. We are born free and we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. My guest today is Paul Kratzis. Paul was convicted of conspiracy to sell a controlled substance back in 1993. This was a nonviolent crime. He was sentenced to life. He ended up serving 29 years, and he was recently released just on February 5th, just earlier this month. And uh, Paul has a really, really interesting story, a really shocking story in a lot of ways. I, I talked with him uh, a few uh, few days ago before recording this, and he has a lot to share. This is really a powerful story. Paul, welcome to Finding Freedom. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Paul. And, you know, I, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, I think, uh, you know, for our listeners to kind of get to know you and uh, sort of a good starting point to take us through everything that you've been through over these past 29 years. And, you know, it's it's amazing that you, you just got out a couple of weeks ago. So I, I do want to come back around and, and ask you about, you know, getting out of prison and what that's been like. But we'll probably get, the, we'll get there later. But I want to kind of start by asking you, before this happened to you, before you know you got sentenced to prison, can you just talk about what your life was like? You know, what kinds of uh, what kind of things were you up to? Where were you living at that point in time? Well, I was living in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and I was taking care of uh, my son Paul because uh, his mother had been killed. So I was tending to the child and had custody of him. And um, I wasn't really selling drugs at the time since I took care of my son. But I decided to get back in the game one more time. And I did. And I went down to Florida to do a drug deal. And I got to thinking about why am I doing this? And basically I came back unbeknownst to me, me coming back saved my life because the plan was to kill me down there. And when I came back, I wind up putting together that last drug deal again. 
And uh, when I went to do the drug deal, they didn't wait to get me down to Florida. They just tried to kill me then. And long story short, I crashed the car and got away. And uh, I wind up getting to the hospital. Let, let's, let, 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 let's, let's, let's backtrack there. I mean, because if you don't mind, you know, I, I, you told me a little bit more of that story before. And you ended up getting shot, right? Right. So, I got so what, shot put what, what happened there? Well, the gun was put to my side of my head. And he pulled the trigger, but the dummy didn't have a bullet chamber. So he had to chamber a bullet. By that time, I turned around, and the gun's pointing in my face. So he unloaded the gun. I took my hands off the wheel after being shot in the face, and he took his eyes off me to see where the car was going. And that saved my life because he wasn't looking where he was shooting. And he unloaded the gun. And only the two bullets hit me. Wow. And then when the car crashed, she fell out and I got away. And uh, I tried to wave down a truck and the truck track and trail didn't stop, though. But I think he called paramedics because time I got somewhere to a house, basically going through the woods, uh, the guy called the ambulance and he said the ambulance was already down there. And by this time, I already lost a lot of blood. And um, dogs tried to get me. I tried to climb over a fence. And um, and they wanted to fly the helicopter in to get me. And so, and I figured it'd be better off if they just tried to get me there to the hospital. So after they checked my vitals, they seen that I was, uh, had lost a lot of blood. So they then you know, didn't waste no time getting me there and put a tourniquet on me from waist down, put double IVs in and stabilized me and, and got me to the hospital. And uh, shortly there at the hospital, I was arrested just before operation and charged with uh, conspiracy to sell 25 kilos. Because the guy trying to protect himself said that uh, he worked for me for seven years. And he just got back from Florida in my Lincoln Continental. But he doesn't know that my Lincoln Continental ain't going to uh, show the mileage to leaving the state because I just bought it at the auction. So everything he's saying is basically mm. a lie to frame me up. And that's what he did. And uh, how many people get shot and robbed and don't say nothing to the police? So by me not saying nothing and him saying that got me uh, locked up and charged. And so... So After what, about a month and two just, months. Just to, just to backtrack for a minute, do you have any idea why he wanted to kill you? Yeah, for the money that was in the car. Is it for the money in the he car? He took the money and he turned in part of the money. He so turned did in he, 120 did he, go to, did he go to the cops or? Yeah, yeah. So he, he shot you and then went to the cops. Out. Right. Wow. He flagged the cop down. He turned in. So, I mean, you got some guy giving the police here, here's 120,000. I just worked for this guy. I've been working for him seven years. It's a pretty convincing story when you got someone saying that, you know what I mean? And then you got the guy in the hospital, you know, nobody saying that, you know, that he worked for me and given my 120, but they cop don't know that's part of the money, you know, so they pocketed quite a bit. And, um, 
So his story was sellable mm-hmm. to a police that wanted to buy it, you know, because they've been wanting me for quite a while. But after they start investigating, they realized that it, his story ain't adding up. And basically those charges were eventually be, I was charged with attempt murder also. He shot me, but I'm the one charged with that murder. Was he charged anyway, with anything? Charges, did he get charged? Yeah, did he get no, charged? No, I with... did. No, so he didn't he get charged with anything? Nothing? No. I'm the wow. one that got charged with temp murder on him because wow. he said that I put the gun to his head and pulled the trigger. Remember I told you that's what happened to me? He put mm-hmm. the gun to my head and pulled the trigger, then chambered a bullet and then unloaded the gun. He switched it around to me putting the gun to his head, a bullet not being chambered. He took the gun from me and shot me. That's how I got charged with attempt murder. And then he said that he worked for me. That's how I got charged with conspiracy. Those charges were eventually beat, thrown out or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And on the way after, after I made bail on both of them, I made bail first, but I was charged by the feds then. The feds so charged. So, so how much time? So when you said they were beat, so you, you beat the charges that so they were thrown out. So how much time passes until the feds charge you? Immediately, because I made bail on those charges. I was walking out the door to get my money back. And uh, the feds put a detainer on me and took me out of Baltimore and charged me, which was really the best thing that happened because it wouldn't have been nice. It wouldn't have been a good thing if I would have got out on bail then in that mindset. Why do you say that? Because I just got robbed and shot for all the money and yeah. and then framed up like that. I wasn't in it. I was kind of mad. Looking for revenge. Understandably so. Definitely. Definitely. So I wouldn't be here now had I done what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So when the feds picked you up, so so you... You basically you're out on bail. You're out on bail for 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 no time, and the feds pick you up. Well, I never made it. I walked soon. I walked out the door. The bail was posted. I walked out the door and get cuffed again. Wow. I never I never was free since May seventh. I got took down the city and then processed on my federal charges. And this is nineteen nineteen ninety two. Right then, another drug dealer who was charged in a drug kingpin thing. He testified for the government and he got out in 2002 for testifying on me. He got time off. So you, you took your, you took your case to trial, right? Yeah. Yes. Why did you decide to take it to trial and not, not take a plea deal? Well, 20 years, I don't think that's a deal. You know what I mean? That wasn't no I, deal. I agree. But anyway, you know, they, for one, they didn't have no drugs. They never bought no drugs off of me. There was no proof that I sold drugs, but I didn't know under the way they can, they don't, all they got to do is find you guilty of conspiracy, which is nothing more than making a verbal agreement. So that's what I was found guilty of making a verbal agreement to sell a controlled substance, not a legal substance, but a controlled substance. That means you have to have a license to buy or sell it. And since I didn't have a license, Mm-hmm. I was guilty of making that verbal agreement. So I got, I should have got 20 years based on that finding, but 
back then from 1987 to 99, judges were allowed to find facts that the jury did not find that would increase your sentence. And the Supreme Court straightened that out later in Apprendi in 1999. So when you say the judges were were allowed to find facts, so what did the judge present as the reason for taking your sentence from 20 years to life? Anything over five kilos triggered that life sentence. Hmm. But, But the Supreme Court said all facts and elements that increase a person's sentence must be found by a jury. Well, the jury found me guilty of conspiracy. That carries a sentence of maximum of 20 years. Right. So you need five kilos. If they would have found me guilty of five kilos, six kilos, or a thousand kilos, then that would have triggered the life sentence. But the jury did not find me guilty of any drugs because there was not any drugs at trial and no one ever bought any drugs. But back then, they didn't have to, you know, didn't have to do it like that. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? Pull numbers out of the air and find a person guilty beyond reasonable doubt? Kind of hard to do that. So they just find you guilty of the uh, of that statute and then let the judge find uh, elements and facts like drug quantity. Right. Had you done any time in prison before this? Yeah. I did five years. I so when you, go, when, you, when, you, when you go back in the second time, uh, you know, conspiracy charge, you're getting hit with a life sentence for something that, I mean, you're, the mandatory minimum was 20 years, but in reality, I mean, we're talking about a nonviolent crime, something where, where no drugs were found. What what was your mindset at, at this point in time? Well, it, it my mindset was kind of like it didn't really matter at that point. Because I look at it like this. I was lucky to be alive. So whatever they do to me, ain't nothing. You know, when you come that close to death, you know, they put you in prison or whatever. It's like they're putting you on the bench, your sideline. As long as I'm sitting on the bench, I got a chance to get back in the game. Mm-hmm. And I did. Absolutely. You know, game meaning freedom. Absolutely. Well, that's, so what, this the, shows, I mean, that's, was, that's what this show's called, Finding Freedom. And, uh, yeah. you know, one of the reasons I changed the name from Felony Friday to Finding Freedom is because, I mean, stories like yours where, and that's what I want to dig into here is – you know, that 29 years that you served in prison while you were navigating the system um, and surviving, can, can you share, you know, what that was like? What was, what was it that you leaned on really to get you through that time? Well, for most part, say 27 of those years, you know, I just focused on working out you know, and, um, reading, that's about it. But the last two is one, you know, I accept the Christ in my life and start, you know, living a godly life. Wow. But I took some programs there and, and I never, I never went there to do that. I went there just to get a transfer 
but I actually had to do the program, which was a two year program. And there, you know, is eventually the program really helped me. Mm-hmm. It really helped me change my outlook and, and become the person I am. So for them 27 years, you know, I was a little bit different. So how would you say that, that you've changed in the past two years after accepting Christ? Well, because most of those years, you know, I still have revenge in my heart. And only through Christ was I able to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And let the past go and the the programming that I did and uh, let the past go and accept my loss and move on. Right. So you were serving a, a life sentence. You ended up getting out right. after after twenty nine years. At what point in time did that did that window even open where you saw that that you could get out and not serve a life sentence? When Trump passed the First Step Act, helped mm-hmm. pass, signed it, that gave me some daylight. I didn't know, you know, like I hear people like on the on the news talking about everybody will be affected. Well, I'm like, okay, he's saying everybody will be affected. Well, I need to find the how I'm going to be affected. And I and I basically call this basin, you know, help find that and uh did my legal work for me and and I kept telling them, they're saying everybody can be affected. So we just need to find that needle in a haystack. And that's what we did. What, yeah, so what was the needle in the haystack? What was it about your case that, uh, okay. that triggered it? Well, under the Compassionate Release Clause, see, it dates back to December 2018. They didn't have no sentencing commissioner. They were short ones. And um, and they didn't replace it. So if they don't replace it, then the sentencing commission is not going to update the guidelines that the judges must go by. So I think that was intentionally did, you know, by lawmakers not to replace them with a Republican pick by William Barr because they know that those guidelines and sentencing commission are going to be wrote in a way that's going to hurt people when they're actually trying to let people out like me. So they didn't do that. So that was good. So the law trumped that. And um, and under extraordinary compelling reasons which the Bureau of Prisons doesn't doesn't recognize that paragraph D of the compassionate release, uh, the BOP failed to submit mine in. So that first step back allowed me to file it pro se. And that's what the judge ruled on. Uh, Compassionate release uh, basically is a sentence reduction under extraordinary compelling reasons. And the extraordinary compelling reasons is that I wouldn't get the same sentence today. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, you know, the jury didn't find me guilty of a drug amount. The statute don't carry life no more. I programmed the most time I would get today would be 15 years, maybe 12. And the two priors that they used to give me the life sentence no longer count because they are, they're not serious drug uh, felonies under the new law, the first step back. So all those things equal extraordinary compelling reasons for 
the judge to uh, release me and grant me compassion release, which I thank her very much. So was your sentence reduced and you, so you knew, did you know for a while that you were going to get out now in February or was it something that happened very no. quickly? No, no, it was, I, I found out January 25th. You, then you got to do a 14 day quarantine. I did 10 day quarantine and I was released, but they had maximum 14 days. Take us through, you know, that process, take us through, you find out in January, you know, January that, that you're getting out. I mean, this is, you're serving a life sentence and you find out you're getting out of prison. But I mean, what, what kind of emotions were, were going through your mind? What, tell us, tell us what happened. Well, I got an email from my sister and Kathy and, and a few more emails from my lawyer who picked up the case last year. Catherine Newberger, who did a great job fighting for me, and um, along with Carlos Basin, you always still need an attorney. And uh, I got the email from them, and basically I was like in shock, kind of. And I basically stepped away from the computer and just looked at it. Hmm. It was about quarter after eleven. The computers go off at eleven thirty. So I didn't have much time to read it because I had got on the computer about 6.30 and there was no emails. So evidently this, this court decision came out late and um, because I had no emails at that point. So I wasn't expecting nothing like this, you know. You know, I knew one day it would happen because the statute that I got life on there was changed. I'm just waiting like many other people are still waiting for the first step at sentencing uh, changes to be made retroactive. Because there was three sentencing changes in the first step act. Only one was made retroactive, and that was for crack. The other two mm -hmm. sentencing commission, uh, I mean, uh, first step act sentencing changes, one being my statute changing to 25 years, and the other one being gun stacking, uh, hasn't been made retroactive. And you got people doing long, outrageous sentences, like 75 years, first offense for gun stacking, because the way they, you get three guns and they stack it, and you wind up with 75 years, five for the first one, 25 for the next one. And it just, I don't, it just goes on. They just get big numbers off of gun stacking. And that's been going on for quite some time. So those changes in the first step back, need to be made retroactivity because they're not helping nobody. You got people in prison right now doing time they shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. And judges don't want to give them that, that time, but their hands are tied. Judges' hands need to be untied because who knows more about sentencing people than the judges? They can't have their hands tied. They have to be free to sentence people accordingly. And the most important thing is the biggest check and balance Against all that is, is federal parole. Federal parole needs to be reinstated so that people that want a program and do the right thing can be rewarded. Because right now, if you do the wrong thing, you do the right thing, you're still doing 85% of your sentence. Yeah, that's I 100% agree with you. And on, on making 
you know, making the sentencing changes retroactive. I mean, that's something that people were talking about when this first step back was, you know, going through the legislative process right after it was passed. I mean, they called it the first step act. So there was supposed right. to be a second step, which never happened. They, never, uh, they keep playing games because, oh, I'm going up for election. I'm going up for election here. We're, we can't. It's election year. It's a uh, lame duck session. And they, they just all have excuses why they don't want to do the right thing. The public mm-hmm. wants it done. The people need it done. They over-sentence the people with these laws and begin with, fix it. You got people like Tom Cotton that's, that's blocking. Pe- the people from that ilk is blocking it. You know, Tom, Tom Cotton is a piece of shit. Excuse my language, but, but yeah. he is. Yeah. Just had to get that out there. I mean, but you got many people there like Tom Cotton. You know, yeah. that, uh, you know, Dick Durbin, Democrat, Chuck Grassley, they, they're the gatekeepers of this. And they know what needs to be done. And, and so those Republicans and Democrats on both sides of this bipartisan effort need to listen to them because they know what needs to be fixed. Let them fix it. 100% agree. And uh, you would think that the way that the Democrats have talked, you know, after the, you know, they've come down on Trump for, for not doing enough for, uh, and I agree, I agree. Trump did not do enough for criminal justice reform. But guess what? Right now, you have the presidency, you have the House, you have the Senate. Get it done. You have everything you need to get it done. So we'll see what they do. We'll see what they do. Something's got to, something's got to change for sure. But I mean, we could talk about this for the rest of the show, but I want to get back to your story. I, you know, I got a few more questions for you that, that I think are are important. And I mean, I think they're important for, for your story and for other people to hear too. But I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, when you were in that 10 day quarantine, were, were you, were you, uh, were you by yourself? Were you in solitary confinement? Uh, no, no. Okay. Um, so what, what was going, I mean, what was going through your mind? It had to be like the longest 10 days of your life as, as you're waiting. Definitely. Through the- definitely. 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 So what, uh, I mean, you, 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 I mean, I'm sure you were just thinking, thinking about everything you wanted to do as soon as you got out. I was, uh, yeah. I mean, I was like counting the days, you know, as long as it was, it seemed like 10 years, but you know, finally it went by, you know, I couldn't believe it. I'm just waiting for them to say, no, they made a mistake. So that last day when uh, you walked out of there, take us through that. Well, I walked out of there. It was snowing, and uh, I went to the parking lot to wait for the cab because I didn't have my uh, family pick me up because they wanted to know who's going to pick you up, who's going to, what's the tag number, and all this information, and... um, and I wanted to get processed out earlier than the 14 days. So I said, just process me out on the, on a bus. So that's what they did. And then I had my sister get me a, a Amtrak once I got to New York. So I had to get, get on a taxi, get on a taxi and uh, go to uh, the train station, got on an Amtrak. What, what, what was that like? So you've been in prison for 29 years, all of a sudden. You're free. You're right. walking around. You're able to take a taxi. You're getting on a train. I mean, what was that feeling like? It had to be weird. Well, 
Yeah, well, I had I got to the platform and they got three machines, and I had to put money in it to get my bus ticket, and and the machine ain't taking my money, so I got to do other things to make it, I guess, take my money. So I'm trying to figure it out. So I went to the machine like three times trying to figure it out. Ain't nobody there. So I say this this machine can't beat me. I got to figure this out. So I figured it out. I touched that damn screen. And it came on. So it was a touch screen. I didn't know nothing about none of them. So I just like touched my way on through it. Then machine, other machine took my money and I got a ticket. And I'm like 20 minutes it took to do that. And I just wanted to get the damn ticket before the plane got there. So it, I mean, was that, that was the first, that was the first touch screen you've ever seen. Right, right, right. In per- I mean like actually used. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. And you know, we were setting up this call too, you know, getting the zoom squared away and everything, you know, it would be nice if not nice. I mean, it's what should be done uh, with people who are in prison because the vast majority of people who are in prison are going to get out. If you know, people, if they actually, uh, you know, made some, some training available and some, you know, technological training, things like that. So people like yourself, when you come out, you're not looking at a touchscreen like you've never seen it before, but that's right. Right. Definitely. You know, I didn't know how to work that thing. I ain't going to lie. I didn't know how to work it. I kind of like stumbled through it, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know then when I got to where I'm going in New York, I ain't never been to New York. I'd go out to Amtrak, you know, I'm walking around New York. I just looked around the buildings and then I had to get it. Uh, I just jumped in a taxi and told him where I needed to go to the other Amtrak station because I came out the subway and uh, he took me to like kind of like the wrong spot and I had to walk like a block through buildings and I found out where I was going with the Amtrak, walk up there, got the ticket and then figured my way around to where I'm going to get on the right Amtrak. I did it. It worked out. You know, how? I don't know, but I did it. So what have the, uh, you've been out now for what, three, coming up on three weeks. Is that right? So what's, what have the these three weeks been like for you? Are, are you, are you still, are you on, I guess you're not on any sort of home confinement. Are you? You're, I mean, you're, you're free, no, right? No, no. I, got, I got sentenced to time served. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still so, on supervised release though. Right. I got 10 years supervised release. So what are your, what are your plans? What are your plans now to, uh, well, get, uh, put a clemency in, resubmit a clemency and hope, uh, uh, Biden will, uh, reduce this 10 year, uh, supervised release. Cause I done did that and some, mm-hmm. so I done did all the time I should have gotten and the 10 years extra. So really, you know, I shouldn't be on nothing, but, Everything can do time. So what do they have you do with the supervised release? Are they checking in every single day or what's that like? No, uh, every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I just seen them today. Yeah. Yeah. So are you able to get like uh driver's license, things like that? Yeah. I'm going to get driver's license uh, Friday. Yeah. I went down there today, but I needed another piece of mail. They want you to have two pieces of mail, birth certificate, 
Social Security card. So, I mean, obviously this has been, I mean, this has to be just a, a whirlwind for you to be, you know, a, a month ago. Like, yeah, I guess a month ago, you didn't even, you didn't know that, that you would be out. You were just going. No, it was going, no guarantee. You were just going through there another no day gu- in prison. Now, fast forward exactly. a month later, you're out here. We do have this weird pandemic going on, which hopefully is starting to go away. But uh, no, that's another I thing. Got it, bad get, news for you. <laughs> it ain't going away anytime soon. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fearful fearful of that too. But uh, I try no. to remain optimistic, at least on a uh, a personal right. level. But I feel like the politicians want to they want to keep control, so they'll they'll keep this going in some form or another. Yeah, it's going to keep on. If they spend about ten trillion, then it'll start dying down. Yeah. But uh. But what, what I nobody, wanted to ask you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Everybody stopped dying of everything else. They just died from COVID now. Right. Yeah, they've have uh, yeah heart attack deaths are up because people are afraid to go get checked if they're having symptoms for a heart attack. But uh, right, you know, they're yeah categorizing every death as a as a COVID death. Yeah. So a month ago, you didn't know what was going to happen. You thought you were, you had more time to serve in prison. You're out now. So you you you're on supervised release. But uh, you're free. So I'm, I'm curious to get your, you know, kind of thoughts here and your kind of view looking forward, your vision looking forward. This is uncharted territory, not something you really planned for, I'm sure, but you're, I'm sure you're happy to plan for it. But when you look ahead five years, 10 years from now, I'm just curious, you know, what kind of things do you envision in your life? What kind of and I don't know if you thought about this or not. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But like, where do you see yourself five, ten years from now? What are some things that you'll you'll like to hopefully well, accomplish? I, I'm just, t- I'm just taking it one day at a time. You know, every day just enjoy and live. You know, the most that I can. You know, for mm-hmm. the for the day. And so, I, I mean, I'm not really thinking too much into the future. You know, not at this point anyway. You know. There's first things, all these little things I got to take care of. And then everything in, in steps, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I can't get back to work. I can't get to work yet until I get all the ID I want. Then, you know, I'll get to work but and start saving for my future. What kind of work would you like to do? Well, basically... You know, I, was, I took welding trades in there, so it's probably going to be in that field, welding. Mm-hmm. You know, or car sales or something like that. Yeah, that's good. So, people listen to this show who have, you know, loved ones who are in prison, or people who, you know, maybe they're they're just dealing with uh, a case themselves and might be might be getting ready to go to prison. So right. Curious. I always ask my guests if if you had some advice for people in that situation. Uh, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, you know, just go in there, be yourself, mind your own business. You know, a lot of people that are going to these prisons are going to like lows and mediums. Very few of these people that are listening are going to be going to a penitentiary right off the rip. So, you know, just go in there, be yourself. I mean. It ain't what you see, 
you know, on TV, a lot of these people have never been to prison. They go there, you know, they're all scared or whatever. But just go there and be yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, be respectful and, and everything will fall into place. That's that's good advice, man. One thing I did want to come back to, we talked about at at the very beginning, um, you know, before you were arrested, that you were shot in the face. And I know when we talked when we talked before that you know you still have some uh, some medical issues that you're hoping to deal with, and I believe that you set up a a GoFundMe, right? Yeah, I just yeah. I wanted you to I give you the that. opportunity here to to talk about that and talk about anything else yeah. you'd like to like to uh, plug. Yeah, my my sister uh, set up a GoFundMe uh, for me, and uh, and then we got Project Pivot. That's a, a nonprofit that's also helping people in prison, you know, to get out in, in situations like mine that need legal work and stuff like that. So we got projectpivot.org and we got my GoFundMe page, Paul Kratzis, K-R-A-T-S-A-S, and go there and, uh, you know, that's what we got going on right now. Eventually, you know, I do, do got to go to the dentist and, and get those teeth replaced that the bullet knocked out, but, and broke my jaw too. Do you deal gotta, with, uh, get do that you deal with pain from that today still, or? No, nah, it's all numb. Yeah. You know, the gunshot, you know, has, uh, numbed all that area side of my face. So. Yeah, I mean it's uh your story Paul. I mean it's you could write a book about it. I'm sure people have told you that before. Um but it, yeah. it's something that I think, you know, people who have been to prison, haven't been to prison, people going through whatever they're going through today, you know, in these times like we were talking about with the pandemic. These are crazy times and sometimes people create yeah sort of create their own prison that they're living in. So I think people can take a lot from your story. I mean, the amount of adversity and just shit just thrown your way. I mean, you, you'll admit at the, at the beginning of mistakes you made from selling drugs, things like that. But, uh, you know, dude, yeah. 20, 29 yeah. years in prison for a nonviolent crime is absolutely ridiculous. You know, um, it's like this. I mean, I don't blame no one for myself, even though I got the life sentence, you know, even though I'm not complaining about that, I'm not complaining about that at all because you know what, regardless, I got the life sentence, or not if I wasn't in the drug game, I wouldn't have got the life sentence. So it's my fault for being involved in that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I paid the price. I got a second chance. There's other people that have been over sentenced too that needs a second chance. And that's what, I want to bring light on and try to and try to uh, fight for another another person I know has got a life sentence. His name is James Sweeney, and you know maybe you know you know people like that need a second chance. You know too. You know you just can't put people away forever. You know, and then you got people, you know, that are doing life sentences for weed that there is no weed in the case, but like mine, there's no drugs in their case. There's no. Uh, uh, marijuana and yet they're doing life for weed and weed is legal in just about every state mm-hmm. so the way to fix this is for the lawmakers to reinstate parole they ain't got to 
rebuild it, put it back. All they got to do is re- reinstate it because all they did was suspend it. So just pass a little one-page law to reinstate it as it was. It's in place. Everything's in place. So these lawmakers in Washington need to reinstate it because that will be a good check and balance, and it will reward good behavior for those in pr- those prisoners that want to do the right thing. You stay out of trouble, you get parole. You do two-thirds your sentence, and you don't lose no good time, you get out. You get in trouble, you lose your good time, you do 100% of your, your sentence. So mm-hmm. it will reward good behavior, and it's a good check and balance. So if they won't really want to make change, reinstate parole. You know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, that would be a good, <clears throat> a good, uh, I guess, uh, you know, second step or what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, intermediary step. But yeah, ultimately, yeah. you know, we need vast uh, sensing restructuring. We need to end the war on drugs. We need to do all, all these things to, to make this a, because uh, under, a more un- just society. Under life sentence, under the old parole system, a person was eligible after 12 years. And he maxed out at 30. So yeah. if you don't get parole, you only do 30 years and you're mandatory release on a life sentence before 1987. So that was fair. And that's something that's not talked about a lot. I mean, it's not talked, the the idea of reinstating parole, it's not something that's talked about a lot in the criminal justice reform. Right, because they don't know. People lost track of it. And if there's any listeners out there that might be going to prison anytime soon, please call me. I I offer my services to them. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Paul, or through you. Yeah. And I I will link to, uh, I'll link to project pivot. I'll link to, uh, your GoFundMe, And, uh, yeah, I I just want to thank you for, for coming on the show, Paul, and, uh, and and sharing your story. You know, like I said, you know, I think it's, it's an inspiring story. I think before I started doing this, before I started interviewing people who, who had been through, you know, the prison system, been through the criminal justice system, People don't think of uh, formerly incarcerated people as being inspiring, but it, it really, it really is, man. It's some of the most inspiring stuff that you'll hear because, I mean, and you're not alone in this. This is a common trait, but there's so many people I speak with who, I mean, you've just did 29 years in prison and you still have like a positive attitude. Not only that, but you're talking about turning around and figuring out ways to get other people out who are still in and, and wanting to give right. back. I think that's, I mean, that's awesome. And I just want to highlight that. You know, I mean, because there's still dudes in there suffering. You got every prisoner, every federal prisoner, and I don't know about the state, but I'm pretty sure it's the state too, is still on lockdown ever since this COVID stuff started. They're locked down in their damn cell, you know, and, and, it, it, for what, you know, mm-hmm. everybody else in the world getting their getting their life back together, and they're they're still locked down, getting fed terrible food. It's crazy. It is crazy. You know, you know that food in the last year was was bad. You know because it says lockdown food, and this is uh. And well, I mean, the guards, when it's all over with, they're going to get their overtime and everything. So it's good for them. They 
keep this whole thing going, keep this whole hoax going. A lot of money be generated now for the military industrial complex. Big pharma. Oh man, yeah, don't don't get me going down the military industrial complex road, guy. That's a that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. But yeah, every every pharmaceutical company making money off of it. Oh, that's that, that's the truth. That's the truth, man. You got. I mean, you, that's people aren't said. people aren't even talking about natural immunity or boosting your own health. It's all about selling a so, shot. But let me say, let me say this one thing: this sure. virus is nothing. If you take twelve vitamin C pills every five hours around the clock for a day and a half, you will beat any flu virus, any COVID virus, any SARS virus. Okay. You don't need big pharmaceutical to help you beat it. The vitamin C 12 pills around the clock, every five hours will kill any flu cold virus immediately. As soon as you feel a cold coming on it, it a virus cannot live in that high acidity environment research what i'm saying because many doctors will tell you what i'm saying and i did it i had COVID. it's nothing the virus cannot live in that environment that you create with those high mega doses of vitamin c mm-hmm yeah i mean there's there's a lot of stuff out there a lot of natural remedies that are, are just being silenced and it's right. It's, it's a shame. I mean, it's, 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 it's criminal really. It, but you know, we could because talk about you, that if too. You, if you, if you do that, then you won't need the vaccine and do all that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's about making money. It's not about treating Western medicine is based on profits. Yeah, Western medicine is based on treating the uh, the symptoms and not fixing the the root of the problem. Exactly, uh, not not getting people actually healthy. But Paul, but, you know, I, uh, I I I like talking with you. I, I think we'd agree on, on a lot of stuff if, if we kept on talking here. I can tell that already. Right, right. But I just I want to thank you for uh, for coming on the show and uh, and sharing your story. I appreciate it too. Thank you for having me. Maybe again some other time. Hey, guys. You know, a lot of the times on this show, I'm talking about the criminal justice system, injustice in the criminal justice system. I've talked about in the past big-time cases of injustice, and none is bigger than the case of Ross Ulbricht. Ross Ulbricht, founder of Silk Road, he's serving life in prison. And one of our friends here at Lions of Liberty, Tyler Colford, also known as Crypto Man, has written a song about freeing Ross Ulbricht called Free Ross. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Amazon Music. All the proceeds go towards freeing Ross Ulbricht. If you've listened to my interviews with Lynn Ulbricht before in this podcast, you probably understand this this case much more than anyone else out there. Ross Ulbricht deserves to be free. Please check out the song. You can hear just a little piece of it right now. Check it out. These are perilous times when they ruin your lives over victimless crimes And they sever your ties from your business loved ones and family wide New slave labor, they barely pay you Don't care about work ethic Hope y'all enjoyed that interview on Finding Freedom, another awesome guest And hopefully you guys also have subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast And you're getting all three of our unique shows in your uh, little 
listening device delivered to your ears. Um, if you haven't, please do that. Just go to your app, you know how to do it, and subscribe. You can also leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. We would prefer if you did it on Apple Podcasts, but anywhere you can on the internet, please leave us a positive comment. Also, the three shows that we have, um, Monday's show with uh, Mark Clare, our flagship program, our longest-running program, and uh, on Wednesday, Electric Liberty Land with Brian McWilliams. Um, those guys have been killing it, and I am so excited about the direction of Lions of Liberty. Um, we're seeing some awesome numbers right now, and we're going to continue to grow, so it's great stuff. If you want to support us, we would love that too. Please go to patreon.com slash Liberty. You can uh, support us for as little as a couple bucks, or if you get in at a higher level, you get merchandise and access to us and all the way up to you can advertise on the show or get to even produce a show. So check it all out, patreon.com slash Liberty. And if you haven't checked it out yet, please consider checking out the Lions of Liberty store where we have some awesome t-shirts. We have a taxation is death t-shirt with an awesome design. We have a wax on tax off t-shirt and we're always coming up with new ideas and adding new t-shirt designs to the store. Check that out at lionsofliberty.store. And if you're in the pride, you get a discount on anything you buy in the store. So you do both of those things and you win. That's all I got, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire is liberty burning. <laughs>